0: Today on the Wisdom Journey, Stephen arrives in Isaiah 24-27. through 27. Isaiah speaks at length about the judgment of God, as well as the Kingdom of Christ. These prophetic topics are both sobering and encouraging. The prophecies assure us that God is in control. He's just. He's faithful to his promises and to his own people. I'm glad you've joined us today. This is a lesson that Stephen called The Revelation of the Future Kingdom.
1: Today's wisdom journey brings us to chapter 24 in the book of Isaiah. And these next few chapters have actually been called or nicknamed the Little Apocalypse. Uh, the word apocalypse is a Greek term that means revelation, particularly of future events. In fact, that's why the book of Revelation is called the Apocalypse. It describes the future judgments of the tribulation, as well as all those kingdom blessings that are going to follow. In our last study, we looked at all the oracles of judgment against all those nations. Well, now Isaiah shifts here from all those nations surrounding Judah to the entire world which God is going to judge. The message for Judah in Isaiah's day is, again, to put their trust in the Lord, not those other nations, because they're going to experience God's judgment, if not soon in Isaiah's day, certainly in the end times, tribulation that he now begins to describe. Isaiah's message of that coming judgment is now here in chapter 24, and it opens in verse 1. Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate, and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. Now, I doubt there's a seismometer that can measure an earthquake that's so powerful that it's going to twist the face of the whole earth, but that's the powerful language Isaiah uses for the trouble that's coming. Listen to this description here in verse 3. The earth shall be utterly empty. And utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt." Well, that's the description of God's judgment that carries us through to the end of this chapter. And i got to tell you, thankfully, it isn't all gloom and doom. In fact, we're given a vision of a great choir singing here in verse 14. They lift up their voices. They sing for joy over the majesty of the Lord. Give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. From the ends of the earth, we hear songs of praise, of glory, of glory to the righteous one. Well, the righteous one is a reference to the Messiah, the king, the Lord Jesus. And who are all the people by the way singing here in this choir? Well, they are among those who've come to faith in Christ during the tribulation period. A great multitude of Jews and Gentiles, many who've responded to the gospel preached, that's described over in Revelation chapter seven. In fact, the book of Revelation gives us many details of this worldwide spiritual awakening that's going to bring uh, people from from every tribe, tongue, and nation to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, now here in Isaiah chapter 25, we're given a description of this millennial kingdom, this 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth promised by the prophets. The redeemed of of all time are, are singing God's praise during Christ's earthly reign. In fact, their words present reasons for every believer, by the way, in every age to sing the Lord's praise, even now. And the first reason is the faithfulness of the Lord. Verse 1 begins to sing, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you've made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin, the foreigner's palace is a city no more. In other words, we're praising the Lord because he's kept his promise. The city of Babylon, representing Satan's consolidated power during the tribulation, uh, his wicked agenda, even now throughout the ages, is finally crushed, Isaiah says. It's never going to be built again. Well, there's another reason to sing, and that's that's to sing about the fruitfulness of this coming kingdom. Verse 6 describes the festival, the feasting. On this mountain, that is Jerusalem, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. Well, all this is a reference to the overflowing blessings of Christ's kingdom. Nobody's going to go hungry, thirsty. Nobody will ever be unsatisfied Again, in fact, over in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus had promised many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. I'm looking forward to having a meal, by the way, with Abraham. I'd like to know what it was like to become a a father at the age of 100. I'd like to know what it felt like for Isaac when he got on top of that altar, willing to die. Well, that's a picture of of what we'll experience in the kingdom. Now, there's a third reason to sing, and it's the fulfillment of certain promises during the kingdom era. Verse 8 says, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away. Listen, beloved, this is your future. No matter how hard, no matter how disappointing, no matter how many setbacks and valleys uh, you've been through or how many tears you're shedding even today, you're heading toward a time when life is characterized as a joyful banquet with Jesus. And let me tell you, death will not be invited. Sorrow will not be invited. There will be no more farewells. I love the fact that those in the kingdom are saying here in verse 9— We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. (laughs) I love that expression. We've been waiting for him. We've we've been longing for this glorious, fulfilled life. No more sorrow, tear, separation. And finally, it's all here. Well, chapter uh, 26 now continues the description of our joy in the kingdom verse 1 refers to that day. That day indicates Isaiah is still speaking of that thousand-year reign, that day of Christ. He says here, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Now, uh, this song here describes two cities. One is the city of Jerusalem, the capital of the coming kingdom. Regarding that city, in fact, verse 2 says, The Lord will open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. Now, being righteous here means being right with God. And being right with God means you're right with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. You've claimed Him as your Messiah. That makes you righteous or right with Him. And by the way, if you don't want anything to do with Jesus right now, you'd be very unhappy in this city because Jesus is the King. And we're going to be celebrating him. We're celebrating our salvation in this day. Isaiah adds here that those who know the Lord have perfect peace. Verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Can you imagine a day of perfect peace? Well, we have peace today, but it's just a little taste. Of peace here and now. In fact, it's hard to keep your minds stayed uh, focused on Christ with all the distractions around you, inside and out. But in in that kingdom, we're going to be glorified. We're going to have perfected, immortal bodies. No more sin nature. No more distractions around us. We're finally going to experience unhindered, continual, perfect peace of mind and heart. Wow. That will be wonderful. Now, here in chapter 27 he continues the millennial picture, but now Isaiah focuses on the restoration of believing Israel. Verse 1 informs us that in that day the Lord will punish Leviathan, which is a a name used for Satan, by the way. That old dragon Satan. He has sought ever since the Garden of Eden to destroy God's plan of salvation through Israel. He's done everything possible to stamp out the Messiah. Well now here he, he's he's failed finally at last. Uh, Israel is now described as a restored nation. Verse two, a pleasant vineyard. The Lord is the vineyard's keeper who will water it verse three. Israel shall blossom and fill the whole earth with fruit, verse 6. Isaiah writes here in verse 13, In that day, those who were driven out, that is the Jewish people, will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain at Jerusalem. In other words, the people of Israel will finally occupy that special place in Jerusalem. And on that day, again, a reference to the kingdom age in the future, The promises of God to Israel will finally and fully come true. Well, do you know what that means for you and for me today? Well, it means you can't redo yesterday. And it also means that you don't need to worry about tomorrow. What it means is you live today in light of that coming day when you will literally reign with Christ in his coming kingdom. Of joy, So today, beloved, and in light of that coming day, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
0: Today's lesson on this wisdom journey is called The Revelation of the Future Kingdom. Our ministry is called Wisdom International. Stephen launched this ministry out of a desire to help you know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. On this wisdom journey, Stephen is taking you through the entire Bible, all 66 books, you can go back and listen to any of the previous lessons so far on our website. You'll find us at wisdomonline.org. If we can assist you, our email address is info at Join us next time.